Happy Monday, everyone! Welcome to Kwentuang Pilipina, a podcast and community that aims to be a safe space for everyone to listen and be heard. Here at Kwentuang Pilipina, we aim to converse with different Filipinos around the globe for their inspiring kwentos. I am your sunshine, Cleo, the founder of Hirai Pilipina, and your host here at Kwentuhang Pilipina. For today's episode, we have Doctora Filomena San Juan, an obstetrician gynecologist who is known for her impact as a women's health advocate. Guys, this Kwentuhan is really worth listening talaga. Like, hinding-hindi kayo magsisisi because napakaraming valuable information ang mapakikinggan nyo like doctors' thoughts on having sex education in schools here in the Philippines and about why we must really consult gynecologists and why we shouldn't be afraid to do that. Hindi ko na ito patatagalin pa. Here is my Kwentuhan with Doctora Filomena. Hi, Doctora! Kamusta naman po kayo? Ngayong Good afternoon na pa <laughs> Good afternoon na pala! <laughs> Ayun po. So, Doctora, start po natin itong episode natin with true or false. Magbabanggit po ako ng mga myths sa ating reproductive health. And feel free to um, say if it is true or false, yes or no, plus a quick explanation. Using a menstrual cup will diverginize you. Which one? The menstrual cup? Um, in a way, if you don't know how to insert it, you know, because uh, it's uh, quite uh, plastic, no? Uh, yes, but, uh, but if you know how to insert it, and you insert it very, very, very slowly, then it might not. But you know, if you're very young, the, the hymen is still uh, very, uh, the opening is very small. So there is a possibility that it will lacerate the hymen. But uh, maybe that divergenization means there's multiple laceration of the hymen. So if it's only the virginal cup, maybe just a little one, but not really uh, a big one. Just like when one has an actual sexual intercourse. I see po. And I think kahit naman po, it will divergenize you. I think it shouldn't be a big issue anymore. Because even virginity is only a social construct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you agree po, doctora. Number two. Taking birth control pills will affect one's ability to have children in the future. Not actually, because it gives you the freedom to plan your family. So if you're not ready, uh, you're still a student, and you still have many plans for your profession, then you can really take it as long as you don't have any contraindications, of course. And then uh, you can take it, for, uh, but you don't have to take it very long. You know, not more than five years. Then you have to rest. Maybe one, two years. Then you take a rest and then you you uh, change it with another form of contraception. Maybe um, a condom. Okay. And, and then after which, after a few months, you can uh, revive your pills. But of course, when you're taking the pills, it's better to have it under the supervision of a gynecologist. 
So because there are also some side effects. Uh, so it's better that the gynecologist can take your history and do some physical exam and then give you the final go signal. Okay, you can take the pills. I see po. Um, I am learning a lot already. Kahit nasa icebreaker pa lang po tayo ng episode na ito. <laughs> Thank you po. And then, this one naman po. Have you ever imagined that you would become a congresswoman during your childhood years? <laughs> I did not expect it because I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, but, uh, but I wanted to also uh, practice in my province. So what happened is that there was never a regional hospital that was done. The hospital that I saw was a, an old house that was donated by an old medical health officer who retired. So it's not really for a region, for other region, you know. It's very small. So when I so I thought that maybe I should run in Congress and you know, uh, ask Congress and ask the DOH to make the implementing rules and regulation, and really make a budget for a true uh, regional hospital. But that was 15 years ago, when the Republic Act was uh, signed by the president, and it was never implemented. So when I went back, when I won, I went to Congress and then asked the DOA secretary why, what happened, and he did not even know because he was a, there were several secretaries before him. So I asked him to do the implementing rules and regulations, and then I asked him to give the budget, but there's no more budget because at that time, the budget for a hospital when the law was uh, approved was only 50 million. But at the time that I was in Congress, you need about 350 million, and Congress did not have that budget. So then I, to I told them that since it is not the fault of the people of Zamboanga del Sur, of the second district, that uh, that hospital was not uh, established, then he, sh he should, uh, you know, in his office, save maybe 35 million a year until 10 years that she can have, he can have the 10, the, 350 million and uh, make the hospital. And so 10 years after the first time that I stepped in Congress, they were able to have the money. And during the time of uh, Secretary, 10 years after, during his time, the ONA, after, uh, during the time of Secretary ONA of the Department of Health, that hospital was started to be constructed. Yeah. Yeah, so that was such a um, fulfilling experience to do, kahit po sa maikling panahon na yon. So I just want to ask, Doctora, how do you think that this experience has changed your life in a way? Yeah, it has opened my eyes to the needs of our countrymen in the rural areas. That they're really, you know, the government sometimes does not reach them. In yes, those areas, so. uh, I think our politicians and our congressmen, especially, they are the ones representing them in the national government for the national projects. They should uh, concentrate on those. We are not only concentrating on lawmaking. I was one of the author of the violence against women. It has been lingering in in Congress for a long time. So when I was there, we were able to pass it. Now, Doctora, I want to talk about 
with you your training and you being an obstetrician gynecologist now. From elementary, I went to the public schools in Pagadian. Mababang paaralan ng Central School ng Pagadian. And then in uh, pre-med, I, went, I was a scholar in Mindanao State University in Marawi City. And then from there, I went to UP for my medicine. So I was lucky to have been accepted there because UP at the time, the UP College of Medicine would only accept 100 students per year. So, wow. uh, so that was really a privilege. And then uh, I finished my, my four years of my internship at UP uh, College of Medicine. And then I was accepted to be a training resident for obstetrics and gynecology for three years at the UPPJH, Philippine General Hospital, which is the training hospital of the National University. And then on my last year in residency, I was chosen to be the chief resident. So I stayed one more year uh, to become the chief of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And when I finished my chief residency, I was invited by the department to become a consultant, teaching consultant of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, UP College of Medicine. I would like that opportunity of becoming a professor in the College of Medicine give me the ability to transfer whatever knowledge I have to the doctors. I was invited to become a scholar in Japan to have my PhD in medical science. So I, my thesis then was on cancer from pregnancy, treatment of gestational trophoblastic tumor. He asked the government of Japan and the, the Aloka company there to donate a machine. And then I brought it back to Philippine General Hospital and established the uh, OBGYN ultrasound unit and taught the initial, you know, more senior residents taught them how to do the ultrasound and then established the subspecialty on OBGYN ultrasound. So it was a trail uh, blazer because it started with PGAs and then it, then our graduates went to other hospitals and universities and established also the OBGYN ultrasound unit. Doctora, you are an obstetrician gynecologist now. Just to make it clear and for our listeners who do not really know what it means yet, can you please share with us what it means to be an obstetrician gynecologist and what do you do? Yeah, obstetrician gynecologist takes care of the reproductive health of women. So reproductive health, meaning uh, the uterus, the cervix, you know, the pelvic organs, yes. the female organs, uh, the womb, and then uh, the ovaries, and also the pregnancy and the diseases that comes from this organ system. So we deliver babies, we take care of pregnant women, we deliver babies, and we also take care of women who are menopause, you know. So we take care of women from birth. Tutum. Wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, Paul. Yes, Paul. the baby, you know, in the womb, you, you already, we already take care of the baby during the prenatal checkup. And then when they grow up, they become adolescent, you know, they have some problems. We also take care of them. And then when they, they are in the reproductive age group, meaning they get married and they have children, we also take care of them, of their reproductive health. And then when they go to menopause, they have other problems like menopause 
and so we'll give them hormonal replacement therapy and we also watch for cancer because at this, at this time when they reach the age of 40 and above women have more cancer than the younger ones give the women some education uh, as to how to take care and how to, to prevent uh, the risk factors to decrease the incidence of cancer in their pelvic organs. So, Doctora, at what age are women advised to visit a gynecologist for a checkup? Do you think it is essential? Of course. Uh, for example, from infancy to 18 years old, you go to the pediatrician, right? Yes. Media. Uh, yes. Media. But if you have some problems in the lower abdomen, like you have some pain, you have abnormalities in your breathing, and or you have some normal discharge, or you have some problems with regards to um contraception then uh, you can already seek the consult of the uh obstetrician gynecologist like I for see. example uh cervical cancer is the second most common cancer in the philippines and usually 80 percent of these cases we diagnose late they come in already stage three and four so you know the treatment is not very good at this uh, at this stage because it is already uh, it has already g gone beyond the pelvic and to the distant organs. So, in order to prevent, the best prevention is, of course, vaccination for cervical cancer. And we would like this vaccination to be done in the adolescent or early childhood, like 9, 10, 11, 12 uh, years old, before the onset of coitart, before the onset of sexual intercourse okay. because the virus that causes cervical cancer which is the 90 percent cause of cervical cancer the human papilloma virus that can be prevented if you have already vaccine before you have a sexual contact or before you get pregnant uh, you should have already the vaccine so you have to act, tell your mother because your mother maybe do not know that yes that, for sure for sure the pediatrician is also not aware because they only give vaccine for measles, you know, for MMR, mumps, measles, maybe influenza, but they don't give the human papilloma virus or HPV vaccine because the women that come to us already had sexual intercourse before. They're already adults. And so we, we are not sure whether the vaccine that we'll be giving them will be very effective because they might have already the, the virus. Mm -hmm. So it's more effective if you have it done, you have it given at an early age. Wow. Now, however, if there is no late, late, you know, better late than never, if you, if you get pregnant, maybe before, before you have your, or you become an adult, uh, or before you have a boyfriend, maybe you should get that vaccine. Uh, to prevent, uh, you know, Cervical the cancer. Yeah. Yes. For sure, that is such valuable information because, Doctora, since we're talking about menstruation, sexuality, yes. cervical cancer, and so on, it is no doubt that this is still a taboo topic here in the Philippines. I'm very glad you have this podcast because, this, yes. you know, it's a good uh, educational you know, way, education for our young women. 
Yes, okay. for sure. And this is also a safe space for them to learn about these topics because I can attest that it is still a taboo topic here in the Philippines because my mother actually did not teach me anything about this. And it's just a topic that most Filipino households do not normally talk about. So, Doctora, we would like to give you this opportunity to talk to our listeners about the importance of consulting a gynecologist and why they should not be afraid to do it. For our mothers and for our young women and of, of course the adult women, it's really very important to go to a gynecologist. Actually, if you're a young woman and you have, you're an adolescent, you have problems with your menstruation or you, have, you, feel, some, you feel something uh, a mass in your abdomen, then you should see a gynecologist because there are cancers of the ovary in the young. It can even occur at five years old, nine years old, although it's rare, but it does occur. Okay? So if you don't have your menstruation, maybe at age 12, 14, maybe it's better for you to see a gynecologist. Or if you have uh, prolonged menstruation, then maybe it's also see to see, to consult a gynecologist. Now, with regards to the vaccine, I think you have to tell your pediatrician, I want this vaccine. Now, if the pediatrician does not give it, then you can go to, to a gynecologist and we give it in our clinics, you know, the HPV vaccine. Now, uh, when, uh, when you want some uh, advice as far as contraception is concerned, then you go to a gynecologist because there are several ways for contraception, but there are also some uh, contraindications, you know. So the gynecologist would have to examine you. And if, if we see that it's safe for you to, this, to use this type of contraception, then we'll give it to you, okay? Uh, the only problem is when you're below 18 years old, uh, you have to come with your mom because your mom will give the consent because you cannot have your consent below 18. But uh, I think uh, the moms should be aware that uh, there are already vaccinations that should be given to the children, to their young girls, adolescent girls, uh, earlier before they get pregnant or before yeah. they contract a uh, virus, okay? And then, uh, it's good for you to know uh, if you're not prepared, you know, it's good to know to know what are the risk factors, for example, for cervical cancer. What are the risk factors for cervical cancer when you have very early sexual contact? Because the cervix is uh, not yet fully mature, that is more prone to be uh, affected by the virus. So when you have it at a very early age, your con sexual contact, it's possible that the virus can easily get into the cervical canal or the cervix and the vaginal mucosa uh, but however, when you're young, the good thing is you have better immune response. However, you do not know whether this virus will persist up to the age 20 and above. So when this virus persists there, so it's important that you have your pap smear at age 25. If you have symptoms, if you think that you had multiple partners before, then you have your examination, you should see a gynecologist even at age 20. If you have symptoms below age 20, you have symptoms like an abnormal yellowish or brownish vaginal discharge, 
unusually increased vaginal discharge, then you should also see the gynecologist because uh, it's possible that even if you're young, you can still get what we call the sexually transmitted diseases. So you have to see gynecologist for that. Otherwise, for example, if you get uh, diseases like chlamydia or gonorrhea and you have not been treated, this will affect your reproductive organs. Like this can cause constriction or infection of your fallopian tube where the egg passes going to the uterus. So, so if the fallopian tube is infected and you have an abscess, then you will, you cannot get pregnant later on. While I was listening to you po, uh, nakuha ko po is that sa kahit anong age, whether you are an adult or you are still a young girl in your adolescence, it's very yeah. important to consult or to go to a gynecologist so you will have yeah. proper guidance. Yes, especially if uh, are already, you are already uh, sexually active because you can have vaginitis, from bacteria, you can have sexually transmitted diseases. You can even have HIV. For all you, you know, HIV only very few get the, the get the test. But I would advise that in order to prevent this, uh, you should know your partner. But of course, you do not know your partner because you don't know if your partner has multiple partners also, and that partner of yours. Uh, who have other partners can also have multiple partners. So that will make you more prone to sexually transmitted disease and even for cervical cancer. So it's better to have the examination to make sure that there is no infection uh, in order for you to be prepared when you, you want to settle down and have the family. Yes, prevention is indeed better than cure. Yes. This time, Dr. Filomena, we would like to ask you some questions that our audience would also like to know more about. Because I actually made an Instagram story earlier and I told them that this is their opportunity to ask anything with regards to women's health. So most of these questions are actually the concerns of teenagers nowadays. Okay. Oh, give me the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to know about these, Doctora. First, is yes. it okay not to shave your pubic hair? And if a woman or a man choose to remove their pubic hair because, for example, they want to go to the beach and wear a bikini, what option do you recommend to remove the pubic hair? Because of this bikini, these are really very small. You know, it's not also a good sight to see hairs coming out from your bikini. So yeah. you can and if you like, you can cut. You can cut with scissors. Because when you, sometimes when you... Yeah, Brazilian yeah, wax. The wax, waxing, sometimes it causes infection. You have to be very sure that, that the area is very clean before you wax them. And uh, you don't touch that area so you don't uh, cause infection from the bacteria from your hands. Because uh, some there was a time that this is really a fad. I don't know. Uh, some of my patients come already with, without the hair, you know, but sometimes it's their priority, you know, they don't want the hair there. But uh, if, uh, if it's only for using a bikini, you can just cut the edges if you want. But sometimes they want to wash it uh, just to make sure that it's not, you'll not get infected. When you have it, you do it uh, days before 
you go to the beach because there's also a lot of bacteria in the water, you know, or in the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. So be sure that you have the wax, you have wax it maybe uh, five days before or three days before in order for the, for the pores to close because it's open, it's easily infected. Yeah. How about shaving, Doctora? Do you recommend it? Or what you recommend the most is cutting? The because shaving is cheaper, you know, than having the wax, you know? Yes. And you can shave it, but the problem is sometimes you have abrasion. You abrade the skin. So you have to put maybe some soap to make it easier to shave. That's a dry one. So that, Or you put some uh, cream so that it will just slide on the skin. And not abrade the skin because when you abrade uh, or you incise the skin, then uh, you'll be prone to infection. But doctora, if for example, um, this person is someone who prefers not to shave their pubic hair, is that all right? Yeah, sure, it's all right because I think God did not put it there for no reason at all. You know, it's yeah. also. Okay, Doctora, it's completely natural, guys. Number two, this is about using menstrual cups. So, Doctora, do you encourage using menstrual cups over napkins and tampons during menstruation? Because from what I heard in this webinar that I also attended as a guest speaker, she has a brand that offers menstrual cups, and she mentioned that the difference of using a menstrual cup is that it collects the blood. And it does not absorb. So, from a gynecologist's perspective, is that a good thing? Is using a menstrual cup a good thing? Anything that you insert in the vagina, you know, can cause infection. Because you, you put something there. You don't know how clean that, that menstrual cup is. So, how clean the hands are. And then, uh, of course, when you have to remove the blood, the blood should be removed for some time because if you have it there for a long time, it's a good medium for bacteria. Remember, the vagina has a lot of bacteria, okay? But others are good bacteria, others are, you know, uh, bad bacteria, you know, that can cause vaginitis. So if you have the blood there for a long time, it becomes a culture medium. They thrive in that blood and the bacteria may increase in number. Okay, when you have that blood staying in the vagina for a long time. So you have to replace that. But you know, when you replace it also so often, your chances of getting infection is also high. But maybe that's good for when? In certain conditions like if you're in a contest, swimming contest, maybe if you're in a bathing suit and you're, you're swimming, uh, maybe you can use that, you know, to prevent, you know, staining. But for... For the usual use, maybe you can just use your napkin. Uh, that would be better because you can change it as often as you can. You don't wait for the napkin to be soaked for a long time. Once uh, it's moderately soaked, you change it because it's a good medium for bacteria coming from the rectum and also coming from outside the vulva, the vagina. So in order to decrease the incidence of infection in the gentle tract, then you have to change your napkin so often.
Got it. Got it, Doctora. So, I'm assured, I'm actually assured that wearing napkins during menstruation is, it's alright. It is normal. As long as you do not wait for it to be completely soaked before you change it. Right? Now, Doctora, I want to talk with you about sex education. Another taboo topic in this country. <laughs> this is our second to the last question already. And we are very grateful for all the new information that we learned today. So, what is your opinion on contraceptives such as condoms being given in schools in the Philippines? Do you think that by making this accessible to students while also teaching them the right way on how to use it will be an effective way to prevent teen pregnancy? Yes, of course. I think uh, sexual education should be taught even in elementary. Elementary, uh, yes. grade 6 or grade 5. Because some, some children uh, will have their menstruation already at that time. You know, at 9, 10, 11, they can have their menstruation. And, uh, you know, because of social media, because of internet, you know, children, elementary and high school are more exposed to sex. You know, because you can, you can access it there, in the YouTube or in the internet. So, I think uh, sexual education is very important so that they can protect themselves against sexually transmitted diseases against uh, uh, unplanned pregnancy because we know that when you're young and when you get pregnant you have you get more morbidity and your some women can even die when they get pregnant very early because of some complications during pregnancy so then the the doctor or the sex education teacher can teach the students on how to prevent, you know, sexually transmitted disease, that uh, how to prevent infection, uh, how to prevent unplanned pregnancy, uh, what kind of contracep contraception to be used. But, you know, some uh, sectors of our society do not want it, uh, you know. Accessible uh, in school. But uh, I think it's better to be uh, knowledgeable than non-knowledgeable at all. Because when they get pregnant, and it's unplanned and they don't know what to do they might go to an abortionist and they they get infection and they get septic shock or they can even die or they can get infection and then later on they have difficulty getting pregnant so i think it's women's right to protect you know your own body you have autonomy to protect your own body and therefore you have the you have the right to know to have the knowledge yeah. Tora, I agree yeah. with you so much because as an advocate of women empowerment myself, these types of information should be accessible to us and yes. hindi siya dapat um, pine-prevent from us accessing the information just because they think that we might re we might do we might we might do the act just because we are knowledgeable about it. So thank you so much for raising that. I think the schools should not prevent you because it's open. Uh, true. From somebody because if you're gonna read it on internet, you know there's a lot of fake news also and fake information in the internet. 
So, but it is accessible to you. You can read it even if they don't like it. But at least if there is somebody there who's teaching the right sex education and uh, contraception, then you will be guided. Yes. Then you will be guided. Sabi nga nila, kung hindi sa school mapag-aaralan, maraming ibang paraan at for sure matututuan pa rin ng bata. Pero hindi with proper guidance, just like what you said. Yeah, right. Proper guidance is very important. Doctora, we are now down to our last question. And we are very grateful to have you here at Kwentuwang Pilipina. Now, I want to... Um, ask you because it is very important to have a why you know so that you will have a reason to continue when things get difficult along the way like you why mo yung pangahawakan mo po eh and for sure now that you are you are a doctor there were a lot of challenges before you got here and even now that you are already practicing what you studied in a lot of years so Dr. Filomena I just want to ask you why do you choose to become an obstetrician gynecologist? What is your why? Well, because I thought that uh, if I would just be giving medicine, like internal medicine, I wouldn't be able to help a person if they had some tumors in the body or they have some problems with their uh, organs. So I wanted to be a surgeon at the same time. So by becoming an obstetrician gynecologist, you're both an internal medicine specialist. At the same time, you're also a surgeon because we operate. Like in my subspecialty or even if I'm an OBGYN, I can operate on big tumors in the uterus, myoma, I can uh, remove polyps, I can remove ovarian cysts before they, they get ruptured and uh, cause internal bleeding. So I want to be a complete uh, doctor uh, in my specialty so I would like to diagnose it and be able to operate on the patient and if operation is not the treatment then I can give the medication so if the patient becomes pregnant and the pregnant is diabetes thyroid problems then I should know about diabetes in pregnancy thyroid in pregnancy so I also become an internist uh, during pregnancy so it widens my perspective and it gives me a, big, a wider a chance to help the patient rather than, you know, don't know what to do, refer or just leave the patient behind. I would be able to treat her uh, completely. So th that is why I wanted the obstetrician gynecologist. I want to uh, deliver babies, you know, it's a privilege to deliver babies in this world and operate and also I want to be a complete doctor. Yeah. Wow, Doctora, you are living a very good life and I am inspired by our Pentuhan today. What stayed with me in my Quintuan with Dr. Filomena is that I am called to action, that I should take the vaccine against HPV. And, you know, we all should. Kasi ngayon ko lang napahinggan at natutuhan yon honestly. So I am truly, truly grateful for this Quintuan. You can reach Dr. Filomena and even book an appointment with her on this website, manilladoctors.com.ph. Again, it is manilladoctors.com.ph. When you are asked to find the doctor on the page, just search San Juan. 
Doctora's last name. And you will find Doctora Filomena San Juan with her specialization on obstetrics and gynecology and her subspecialty is gynecological oncology. You can also reach Manila Doctors Hospital and their telephone number plus 632-8558-0888, local 410. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to this Quentuhan and I will see you again next Monday. Have a great week ahead!